Yaate, hello. Welcome to Real Native Roots Untold Stories, a podcast by a Native woman with deep roots, hosted by yours truly, Vicky Katsuli Boy Oldman. I am a lover of stories, a connector, and a holder of wisdom keepers. Each month, we will be connecting with our Native relatives and exploring what medicine our guests share and offer to us. Please join me on this uncharted journey to learn, connect, and reflect. Ayahat, thank you. Yat a yat a yat a. Hello, listeners. How are you doing today? I'm really excited about today. Today's check-in is about how are you showing up in this world when you're out. In the public, these past couple of days, I've been going out doing errands to the bank, to the post office, grocery shopping, eating out. When I'm in those spaces, I like to watch to see how people engage with one another. I try to do my best to be very kind, say thank you, I appreciate you, or you have a beautiful smile. You just never know what that can offer someone. Don't get me wrong, I'm human. If someone were to just zip right in front of me, as I'm driving, I might let out a swear word or two. And then I tell myself, well, I don't know, maybe they're going to the hospital. I don't know. The point being is, how are you showing up? How are you offering light and love to folks? Because you just never know what that can offer a stranger. As you all know, I love to read poems. And I'm reading from my favorite author, Richard Wagamese. It's coming from the book called What Comes from Spirit. And for today, I thought, to myself, what could I read that would resonate for my guests? I really try not to overthink. And I said, Spirit, what needs to be read? Of course, found the right poem. So it starts off like this. We all have stories within us. Sometimes we hold them gingerly, sometimes desperately, sometimes as gentle as an infant. It is only by sharing our stories by being strong enough to take a risk, both in the telling and in the asking, that we make it possible to know, recognize, and understand each other. I find that so fitting, especially with my aha moment about how we need to understand each other. And we all have stories. And that's the emphasis of this podcast. I feel like we really need to slow down and see each other, like see each other for who we are and that we all have gone through hard things and we all have gone through things that really deserve a celebration because they're lessons, right? I will tell you all, I'm so excited that my friend here said, yes, I've known this gentleman for a couple of years now. I met him through an organization that focuses on bringing in and putting light on our indigenous artists, musicians. When I first saw him, it was at some award in Minneapolis. I was there kind of behind the scenes supporting the artists. I had no clue who he was. I didn't actually know who half the people that were at that event, who they were. I was on the side on the backstage and he went up and he performed. And I kid you not, I literally, my eyes swelled with tears and I was like crying. I can't remember the name of that song, but 
that song just really moved me. And I was like, who is this man? <laughs> I, I don't even know who he is. Love his music. He's a musician. He's like so many things. So my friend, his name is Wade Fernandez. If I could give like hashtags of who this gentleman is, it's he's hashtag gentle, hashtag humble, creative, passionate. I feel like he's also a very selfless person, you know, very giving. He's authentic. He's about the land, about animals, about people and the community. He's a father. He's an educator. What I appreciate about him is he knows how to move with himself and what what may come his way. I feel like that's a that's part of like age and wisdom is trying to move with, move with and not against, right? Wade is from the Menominee Indian Reservation. So shout out to Menominee. He is a multi-award winning international touring artist and educator. He plays all kinds of music, knows, I don't know how many instruments, we'll ask him that, how many instruments he can play. He started his music career with Jackson Brown and the Indigo Girls on stage. He's done over 70 international tours from like Woodstock 94 to most recently the Kennedy Center. This man is just amazing. And he's going back on tour in Europe in May of this year, May of 2023. So we're going to have to ask him about that too. So without further ado, I would love for Wade to say hello to you all and bring his voice in this space. Welcome, Wade. Well, I went in for that very kind introduction, Vicky. It's very, very good to be here. And I'd like to do an introduction in the language first. In a piece, Mahwal, Wade Fernandez, Mokoman, and Aswesian, Oas and Natotem. I'm from the Menominee Nation, as Vicky said. I'm right now my home on the reservation with my wife and and our four-month-old baby and my other children are just right next door right now. And they're older now. It, it's really good to be here. When I introduced myself, I said hello all my relatives and said my Menominee name, which you in a piece well, which basically means walks with the black wolf or he's with the black wolf. Everywhere I go, the black wolf is with me. And my Mokoman name, and I'm from the bear clan of the Menominee. I really enjoyed the poem that you shared, you know, about storytelling and telling our stories, but also listening, you know, also listening to the stories, being aware of all the stories that are here. Without stories, we wouldn't have our culture anymore. We wouldn't have our language. We wouldn't have our education. It's so important to always be listening and listening to the stories when you're walking in the forest and the trees start to speak. The animals start to speak, or the birds, or the wind, or the water. Listen to those stories, because they've been telling them over and over for people that hopefully will listen when we're sitting with our loved ones, or with our families, or with our community, to be able to listen to their stories. And then, like you said in the poem, to take that risk and tell your own story. And sometimes that's the hardest thing to do, because I find a lot of times people can go out into the community and help and be very helpful for the community. But sometimes what gets in our way of that help is that all of a sudden we get to a certain point and we're not helping anymore because we didn't share ourselves. 
we didn't mm -hmm. work on our stories. We didn't work enough on our healing so we could get those stories out. Having that value and that love for yourself and realizing you have also have something to say, I think that is extremely important. Sometimes we can talk too much. We're not talking too much if we're sharing something that's very deep and very, very much needed to share so people can see us as we are and not as something that's on the surface or something that's not real. Because a lot of times that's what we do in our lifetime. We give them the part that they want or that they, we think they want, but we don't give them our, our real self. And the real self is really what they want. It's the part that when you go into school or you step on a stage or when you meet or when you speak to your friends, the part that they want, that they enjoy about you. So all this other surface stuff is just kind of, it's just kind of like junk food. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. It's like junk food. Oh my gosh, Wade, already so much yumminess in what you shared and what you took from the poem. Yeah, we could probably just even sit with that, but we're not. Thank you for offering how it spoke to you and what it brings. And yeah, you're you're absolutely right in the sense of the healing and telling our story. And that is the hardest thing to do. It's, a, it's vulnerability for sure. I wanted to actually go back earlier, just so folks know, before I get into the space with my guests, I always like to align with them. I want to create this ecosystem with whoever I'm with. So we're in sync. It's important to me because I also really believe that whatever offerings come from this dialogue somehow or another helps you. Even if it's one thing that you walk away with, that's a beautiful thing. Where I'm going with that is I ground us. I call it grounding and people do it differently. People pray, people sit in silence, people they're just different ways in how people ground. And I always like to ground with my guests. And so, Wade, I appreciate you telling me that you appreciated it and that it felt comfortable for you. I love that you shared with me. I also do the same thing before you go and perform to sync with the audience. I think that would be a lovely way, since we're alike in that way, for you to maybe ground us and so people hear and feel what that would be like. Well, I went and I appreciate that. And, uh, and your grounding method I, that you did right before the podcast really, really is beautiful. And um, I was listening to your words and the breathing and all that. And it was like, wow, I've never been on a podcast where people set it up in such a beautiful way. And so I uh, thank you for that. And what I'd like to do is share some music with the Papiquan Kakitoatum. The generic word would be the Native American flute. <laughs> <laughs> this instrument is has been with us for, you know, well, way beyond the time when Columbus got lost over, you know, way down south. And so it didn't come from Europe. We were playing on these and sharing music on these instruments for many generations. It's made out of, you know, what's in our forests. So it's it's got that that life in it, that spirit in it. And you said about going way back. That's where it seems to take us. And when I play on this instrument, I generally think of it like, okay, I'm just going to show up just as you were introducing the thing. I'm going to show up right now and I'm going to be here for whatever needs to be said, whatever needs to flow through me or through us. 
same with the audience I'm performing on stage. It's like, we're all here in this beautiful moment together. Whatever happened yesterday that we're worried about doesn't really matter right now because that's the past. And whatever we're, we're anxious about right now is something in the future that might not and probably won't even happen. So the beauty is in this moment. And our ancestors are here in this moment. And so I, I don't always, I just play this um, normally or, or let it flow through me. And so anyway, I'll, I'll do that. And if everybody out there just wants to put their mind and their thoughts in that space, that here and now, because that's the most powerful place to be in any moment to show up. And so we're all going to show up together, you know, and that's, the, that's where the healing is also. When, when we're in that moment, that's when we, I think that's when we're really synced in the flow with life, you know, life all around us. It's like when you take a walk in the forest, are you, are you really listening? Are you really showing up? Are you really observing or are you caught up in your thoughts? Or do you have like, you know, like a mind trap going on where you're just circling and circling about something that may happen or something that has happened that you regret or whatever, or are you really in that space when, when we perform, when we speak, when we're asked to speak, all we need to do is show up. All we need to do is be there because, um, what's needed to be said will flow through us. If we are there in that moment, if we are aware of what's around us, if we're listening to, you know, to to what's going on in the on the stage, you're you're being open to everybody in that audience, but at the same time being open to the ancestors that are around us. And so, music to me is this flow, this river that flows through us, and it's the same thing. Speaking, same thing. Whatever, it's this river that flows through us, and we can all we can all be a part of it together if we accept that. If we're open to it that's when these things start to heal inside of us you know otherwise it's that pain from historical trauma it's that pain from the argument the night before it's that anxiousness and pain of what's going to happen 
tomorrow? Am I going to pass that test? Am I going to do this? Am I good enough? And it's like, you don't, we don't have to be good enough. We are good enough. We don't have to think about being good enough. We step outside of that and just be. For years and years, I was extremely shy and I still have shyness, but as a child, I was just very, very shy. I would go in the bedroom at the, at my parents' house and I would put a butter knife in the door jam and because there was no lock on it. And then I would take a pillow and I go into the closet and then I would sing as quiet as I could into that pillow. So my parents couldn't hear me. So nobody could hear me. And so when I first stepped on stage with a microphone or even just not even on the stage, just like with my cousins, I would sing very quiet. And when I got on a bigger stage, I would still sing very quiet and they would crank up the microphone to try to hear me and then be feedback. And I'd be all nervous and embarrassed. I started to overcome that over time in a way, but I still was not really there. And one day I was on stage and I thought, this isn't about me anyway. So why am I so scared or nervous? Really, my only job is to show up, is to take this music that's coming through and just deliver it and just say, here, this is what's coming through. You can have it, you know, because it's not mine anyway. Being able to do that and to put that perspective in really allowed me to connect in a deeper way with the audience and with the people. And once again, it wasn't about me. It was about just realizing that all I'm doing is just sharing something that's coming through. But I just need to be there. I love that. Such mm. a gift. It actually made me think about, okay, guys, I don't want to read a second poem, but I just have to, because everything you just said is on this, this sheet here. And I was going to teasingly say, well, you definitely redefine a whole definition of pillow talk when you're little. <laughs> 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 I never heard that. That's a good one. <laughs> but let me read this really quickly because at the end, what you said, this is what it, Richard, this is what he says. I don't want to be the kind of writer who can take the sun and turn it into a shiny word in your imagination. I want to take a shiny word and turn it into the sun for you. Similarly, I don't want to be the kind of person who can't take words and describe my feelings. I want to be the kind of person who can take my feelings and turn them into words. So thank you for that story. I could just see you singing quietly, you know, having your own pillow talk. <laughs> and I, I appreciate you also describing like you were shy and still are, but you work through that. One thing that I appreciate about a description of you is like, I'm the roots of my people. And it made me curious about your relatives. So part of this podcast is like, I want to know the roots of somebody because I feel like experiences and people are part of how we come to be in this world. I got curious about your grandparents and your parents. Tell us a little bit about them and how they have, I would say, how had they molded you to some degree? My parents were very encouraging to me as far as musically. They allowed us to jam in their basement with loud guitars and drums, and they embraced it. They were happy that we were wanting to play music. That was really beautiful, and they're also very supportive, you know, because a lot of times parents can say, well, yeah, but you really should think of a real job, you know? Mm -hmm. But they were mm -hmm. supportive of, like, well, that's what he loves to do. 
and that's what makes him happy and it makes us happy and so that was really nice my my parents both sang and played they weren't doing it on a stage they would just do it at home my uncles and aunties on both sides of my family had played in bands they were basically family bands but they do some performances and none of them could read music and i actually i, I still can't really read music even though i went to school for music <laughs> but uh, that's a whole different story my, my grandparents on both sides also played music and instruments. And like I said, nobody was trained, but they all did it by just hearing and listening. And if you go back far enough, I mean, really, like I was on a PBS, maybe I'll share some links or some videos, but you know, when you're in the moment and somebody asks you a question, you answer whatever comes through. You don't plan or you don't think about it. And they asked me about my Menominee ancestors and they asked me some questions and I was like, I have Menominee, I have European in there, I have all kinds of stuff in there. You know, if you do the DNA, they'll say there's parts of Africa in there, there's parts of this and parts of Asia in there or whatever. Historically, as Menominee people, before that, we came from the copper culture. Before that, where did we come from? Before that, you know, and so if you go further and further back, all the stuff that's in the universe is in us. It's in mm. our DNA. Our relatives are the animals, our relatives are the, the air and Coco Massacomacanola, Grandmother Earth, our ancestors. There are all these different things. When I answered that question on PBS like that, I, I started to think about it more like, yeah, we can keep going further and further back and just realize that we're all related and we're all related to everything that exists from the sun to the moon to the stars to the air and all that. And they're all ancestors. And that's why when we walk by the trees, you know, and there's a really old tree there, you can feel that kinship. And so when I was a child and I would go into the forest on the reservation, which I basically grew up in the forest because there was no, like you could go miles behind the house and no cars, no, no homes, human homes. And uh, you could go miles in front of the house, except for the road that was in front of it. Those, when I was sitting in the forest, you could hear the music of the animals, of the wind blowing through the trees, of the water. Those were all the teachers. Those were all the things that music is about. That was the music that our ancestors first played was influenced by that. Later on, as time went on, we started to have more in people influences and people created items like trains and cars started. Those sounds started to enter the music, the rhythms of that. But you go back far enough, it was the music of creation, all this stuff, like they say in like creation stories, how the first sound was a drum or a shaker. The first, the big bang was actually music. <laughs> you know, the creator started it with music, not like a, just a big bomb or something. <laughs> Those are the things I think about when you, when you ask that question. And if you'd like, I'll, I'll play a part of a song. My grandfather who came up from Mexico, they said, when he came to the reservation, he was playing a guitar and singing in Spanish. He met my grandmother, who spoke mostly Menominee and uh, didn't speak that good of English either. They didn't have that the language to talk so much, but they were both musicians. I'll do a little bit of a song that's inspired by them meeting, I guess, to kind of reiterate my point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> 
wait, stop it. You're going to make me cry. That <laughs> 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 was so beautiful. Like, I'm like, I honestly... I'm really filled with emotion that I have like a solo concert going on here. And the <laughs> listeners, you all get to hear, you get to hear this. I just mm-hmm. in love with that story. It made me think about music is such a beautiful thing that it can connect people. And that's the universal language is music. And I love what you said about the universe is within all of us and how we are all the same. We are. My heart is just melting and hearing your grandpa and your grandma and how they met and you don't have to have words when you play and make music because that can just be enough. When I was a kid and my dad and I would go visit some of my great uncles and great aunties and stuff, he would go visit them and they would, they had that very old way. Sometimes we'd sit there and there'd be a lot of silence, but we'd feel so grounded and there'd be a little bit of a joke here and you'd all smile. And then you'd sit and you'd think together and you just, just really be in that moment together. And you didn't need all those words, you know, and we live in a world now that people are required to be so quote unquote eloquent. We didn't need that in our older, with our older people, because you said what was needed to be said and it was powerful. But you also listened to all the other things around us that were speaking, all that wisdom and the knowledge of being able to, some of it's been kind of sort of lost with a lot of us because we speak too much. We are always thinking about human things. Plants, they say the plants would speak to you and teach you which medicines were, which ones to use and which ones not to use. The animals would teach us that too. You'd watch the animals and you learn that. So you didn't need to always just be speaking and filling up all that space with words and the society and the times that we live in. It's about putting all the words to fill the space. So I, I like what you're, you're kind of talking about that. And it is true that music can speak that, poetry can speak that, because in poetry you, you use less words and you savor them like a slow-cooked meal. You have those flavors and you sit and you taste it rather than just wolf it down really quick like junk food. You know, and, and then you're like, okay, what did I eat? I don't feel really good. <laughs> Right. I mean, that it, what you're saying to me is like about pace. I'm always talking about pace, even with what you said with the eating, where we don't allow time to savor and really think about the food, especially even the process of cooking it. Right. Like the process of it. If we're more methodical and intentional, I always remember my grandparent, my grandmother, particularly my mom would say, when you're cooking, have good thoughts energetically you're putting, I'm putting myself into this process so the family can eat well. And when we're eating, we should be eating it slowly. I remember this one woman telling us that we should chew our food so many times before we swallow, because if we eat really fast, we're making our body work extra hard. Talking about like even junk food, what we're putting in, right? We don't feel good when we do things hastily, fast and not slowing down. I'm also just thinking about the experience of having your family, your grandparents, your aunties, your uncles, your parents just be completely open to saying, they didn't say it this way, but like, you'll figure it out. You know, you'll figure out your path. If we are really quiet and patient and observant of our surroundings, of the animals and the plants speaking to us, that is teaching. And I know for you, that's something that's really important is making sure the future generation is aware of language, 
about culture, about integrating all of those pieces. It's not just book learning. It's mm -hmm. bigger than that. There's this one piece that came to me when I was thinking about my grandmother who passed. She was 55 and I was five. It was from diabetes and it's called, and that's the spoken word part, I sing for you, my grandmother, is a song that came on the drum. I was thinking of my grandmother and how she passed at such an early age and how I couldn't ask questions and learn from her because she had passed. But then as I was walking home from school, all of a sudden it was like my grandmother was with me again. When I got home, I wrote those thoughts down and those words that came on a piece of paper. And the basic idea behind it was that even though there's all these things that we may have lost with our some of our language and some of our culture, the things that we need are still there. It's just that we have to be there for them. We have to listen and give them space and give them respect, you know, and, and that's the whole thing we're talking about. Being able to be in that moment and listen to the teachings that are coming through. Even though we don't have all the words that we had in the past, we don't have all those things. If you think about it, our ancestors were always, you know, if you go back 10,000 years, what happened 9,000 years was a bit different. Things had changed a bit. The language even changed a bit, I'm sure, because there was new experiences. Maybe we met other relatives from further down south or further up north, and we started to be influenced by some of their language, some of their things that they were bringing forth. And then when the people came from Europe, here are some other people that were once tribal and indigenous to their areas coming over. And then we're we're starting to change things. And so at the the basic essence is that all those things that we truly need in this time are there for us. We just have to be available for them and not burying them with, I don't have this, I don't have that, so I can't do this. Well, we do have stuff. We do have the things that we need. We can't beat ourselves up and say, we don't have all that language. We don't have all those teachings. It's great to learn our language, but if we're not in a moment and where we can learn it, or the space, or the time doesn't allow it, don't beat yourself up. Ask for guidance and be there in those moments because we'll get what we need. And if we're supposed to uncover something or bring something back, it will come back. But we have to be there for whatever needs to be there in that moment. And just like if you have a baby, you should be in that moment with that baby and not thinking, well, I should be on this march instead and leave my baby at home. You know, well, that baby needs you right now. Like ours is four months old. So I didn't tour. I stopped doing a lot of my gigs right before it was born. Then my last gig was two and a half weeks before it was born. My last gig, like coming up to the pregnancy. And it was only because we knew there was going to be doctors in the house and people that could help deliver the baby backstage if need be. So that was like the last gig before that. Then during the first few months, I didn't take any gigs because I wanted to make sure I was there if anything was needed and, you know, baby was there. And, and same with the mom. The mom is not working right now as far as not working her job that she was working before to be home with the baby and give the baby what it needs right now. So I'm taking the responsibility of providing with my gigs to 
to make sure that we can stay in this house and keep the heat on. But that's what's necessary right now. It's not for me to beat myself up and say, I should be on this tour right now. I should be on this march. I should be earning this amount of money. I need to take care of what needs to be taken care of right now. Like doing this podcast is something that came up. So now I'm here for this. And it's fortunately it works baby sleeping right now. Took a shower with baby right before that. It calmed him down and he's sleeping. So this is where I need to be right here. Baby's going to call in a little bit or one of my other children are going to need to be picked up in a while. But right now I'm right here. I think that's an important thing too. We mm -hmm. work towards bringing things back because our, our language is very important. It has teachings in it that these modern times don't really carry. But if you're not at that moment where you can pick up the language, it will be there for you. And one of my friends who's huge in the language resurgence, his ancestors would come in his dreams and teach him the language. That's That's very inspiring to know that you could be anywhere in the world doing anything, take care of that moment. What's necessary will come to you. Just be open to it. I love it. The cat came here just now and she's crying. So she's like, <laughs> I need you right now. I'm like, Shh, I'm trying to pet her. And baby's listening. So I, I know baby's listening, like the vibrations that's coming out of your mouth and the music, baby's taking it all in. I think it's beautiful. It's a good reminder of like time is precious. And what's important is where you need to be and not to be thinking about all those things. I love your thinking about a positive mindset of like, okay, so I don't have all the things that I need at this time. How can I improvise to be open to new ways of doing things? I was talking to a group of women not too long ago, and we we're talking about how ceremonies have changed over generations, you know, it's just different. So I, I totally hear what you're saying. We should be taking action in that way and how we show up and thinking about new ways and still honoring what we have foundationally and building on that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like one that just brings to mind one thing in our traditions, and I don't know how far this goes back. Men have this job and women have this job. Mm -hmm. And because we also went through boarding school teachings, you know, and all this stuff, all this oppression. And when the Europeans showed up, they were like, okay, men have to be the chief, you know, the leader, whatever. And not, and they didn't honor women leaders. So how far back did it become like men only do this, women only do this? I don't know. I'm not the expert in that. And there's none of us are here because we weren't alive during that time. So that's one part of like when we talk about ceremonies and teachings, some of those things don't address those that are they or those that are LGBTQ plus. I don't know all the things because, but I do know that we have to honor everybody. And some, some of those traditions talk about, well, the skies do this. Well, what if you changed and you were anatomically born a certain way, but you really feel this way? Do you stop them and say, no, you're a girl. No, you're a guy. That's a question that's on the table now. That's something that we need to honor because how far did those traditions go back and say, no, this is only for men. This is only for women. I'm not the expert. I'm not going to argue that thing, but I do think it's an important point when we talk about our ceremonies, we talk about our culture and how things have changed. There's no way 15,000 years ago things were the same 12,000 or 10,000 years later or 2,000 years later. 
you know, we went through ice ages, we went through all this stuff, we picked up things from other people, new animals came around, new trees came around. And we have stories that say in the, during the ice age, we could see trees that were from Canada coming and our maple trees left because they couldn't handle the ice age, but our pine stayed, you know, and then our maples came back. These are big major changes. We had to change some things in order to work with that and to deal with that. And then once again, when the Europeans came in and when religion got forced, you know, and our ceremonies got pushed up and became illegal, how do we know how far back things changed and said, no, this has to be this way, this has to be this way. Because we also had these neo-traditions too, things that came later on. So tradition goes back how far, just like before Menominee, before that it was copper culture, before that, what was it? You know, was it part of the animal spirits? Was it before that? Was it part of this? Or were we just spirits before that? And without a physical form, without a designation of Menominee or Iroquois or Navajo or whatever, I think it, that's where the moment is so powerful and being able to listen and being able to just give love in that moment and kindness. They say too, is like, you know, like if you're praying, it doesn't always have to be like, okay, this is how you pray. It's like, well, are you doing it from the heart? Mm. You know, are you doing it with love and with kindness? Then you're doing it right. Yeah. Such wisdom here. What's landing with me right now and everything that you said is like spirit. And I feel I, I'm just going to speak for myself. I feel like we all are just spirits and this is our shell, right? And it made me think about the first thing you said earlier when you played and grounded us that this flute is a spirit. It came from outside. It was, it's alive, right? I was like, wow, I wonder how many instruments does he have? They all have a spirit. They all have a personality. I'm curious about your spirit, your, not your animals. I'm looking at my cat right here. <laughs> <laughs> your instruments. And I know that you play a lot. I'm curious, how many do you play? What's the next instrument you want to learn? There's that question, but also I'm curious about the growth of music because i know in musicians you hear different music that influences you and what are you playing with you're going to be rapping soon <laughs> well probably the first instrument that i played was a guitar when i was very young and so it's been with me the longest but the voice the pillow voice pillow talk that <laughs> that came second and i i love singing i really do and the flute i love the flute the hand drum I was in Europe one time and they had this one instrument. I don't know what it was called, but I just sat with it and it was like huge. And it, had, it was a stringed instrument that just had this huge resonance and it, it was hand built. I never saw one of those again, but I found that music spoke through it. And that's, that's how I approach instruments. Like, I don't feel like I'm a master at anything, you know, but if music is an instrument and I find it or I'm able to tap into it, then I'll play the instrument enough to let that music out. Like I've had CDs where maybe I, I was writing a song and then I heard a mandolin in it and I didn't have a mandolin and I didn't know anybody who was playing a mandolin. I found one at a store really cheap. The part that was in my head, I put it on the CD or a bazooki, which is a Irish instrument. Same thing. It ended up on a song from my oldest daughter when they were born because I heard it in that, but then did I play bazooki after that? Rarely. I don't really feel like I know a lot of instruments, 
when I find music in an instrument, then I try to let it express itself. And then, I don't know, I have a song called Commodities Blues. I'm playing blues harmonica on it. I played that briefly when I was working at the Kamat shop when I just got out of high school working for a government program called RNIP, Relief for Needy Indian Persons, and making $208 a month working at the Kamat shop. In between, like with if I wasn't working, I'd bring out the harmonica and I'd just mess around with it. So then when I wrote the song Commodity Cheese Blues, I put the blues harmonica in there. And then my friend Mitch Walking Elk was like, hey, I really like what you did. Can you put that on? So I put it on a recording of his. And then when we were we were touring somewhere live and he asked me to play, I was like, okay. And then I played and I was like, okay, I don't really play harmonic. <laughs> I, I, like I would learn it enough to get the music out at the moment, but then I put it back down. So if I went out and brought it on stage, I'd probably put it back down right away. Um, <laughs> and I was just thinking about this with guitar. I was so into playing guitar and I was learning. I played really super fast when I was young, like a teenager. I was playing things like Eruption, the guitar solo from Eddie Van Halen. I'd be playing live, doing that and doing other, a bunch of stuff. And then I threw the pick away because I realized I was playing too fast and not always making musical sense. Like if you slowed it down, it wouldn't always sound that good. I just used my fingers for a good 10 years or something and just started to play more. Like when I first listened to music, I'd hear a couple notes. That's what drew me in the first time. The sound started to, I started to realize that music is about what I grew up with, going in the, in the woods and listening to the birds sing, but then be quiet listening to the space between their notes. They'd make a sound and then be, be quiet. And maybe another one would answer and then be quiet. And then another one would say something, or maybe they'd start going back and forth. But there was a lot of silence in there in between. When I threw the pick away, I started to play less notes and make them more meaningful and the phrasing more meaningful. And so now when I look back at the music, sometimes I'll go out and I'll just jam out on the guitar, like at the Kennedy Center, I was asked if I would do a guitar solo when they brought the Star Spangled Banner and put it into perspective for us as Native people. And they did it so beautifully and eloquently. And they asked me to do a, a guitar solo, kind of like with like Jimi Hendrix's Star Spangled Banner. And so I didn't play a Star Spangled Banner, but I put some of those notes in there and I was jamming out and playing fast stuff. But I rarely ever do that kind of guitar solo stuff anymore because things changed over time for me. I was like, okay, it's cool to just have a bunch of technique, mm -hmm. but, and, and that can be very expressive. That's beautiful. But it's those few notes that really mean something that sit with the grandma to the baby, to everybody else. Even though I kind of let some of the technique go and only bring it out when it's necessary and let it be quiet when it's not necessary. And I, I heard that like with karate, my friends who passed on, he studied Japanese karate, not American version. And he said with Japanese karate, it was a lot different than the American version because the American version, there's a lot more show and a lot more like, can you break boards? Can you do this? Can you do that? He said, it's like a brown belt. When you're a brown belt, you're very dangerous because you don't know always when to use it and when not to use it. When you're a black belt in the Japanese karate, you basically never use it unless somebody, you know, attacks or 
there's, it looks like there's danger for your family or something. And then you just do a couple more movements, not like a big TV show where you're doing all this, a couple, maybe one, one movement and that's it. Cause that was all that was necessary. And I think that's what, you know, like when we're talking about speaking and all the words and it's also with music, you know, what's necessary in that moment to convey that, that emotion and that message and whatever is not necessary, let's just have some silence around it. If anything, I always ask my guests, what wisdom do you want to offer? There's just so many wisdom that you're offering in this session, but yeah, that is so true. That's a beautiful analogy for us to be thinking about. You don't need a lot of moves. It might just be one move, then you just sit with it. One thing that I also took away from what you just said, I, I find beautiful is you didn't say it this way, but this is how my body is coming out to say it. And that is, I feel like what you're learning is like your music right now. You want your music to be inclusive. You want the community, the the children, the family, anybody that's in the space, the, you know, nature, you want it to be inclusive and bringing everybody along and not just for a particular audience. That's what's resonating with me is I hear you talk about how you've grown and how you sit with music and and play with it. Yeah, you touched on some really important things. And if we're in academia, if we go to, maybe we get a doctorate degree. And during that doctorate degree and all that training, we've been around all these people that speak academic language. Mm -hmm. And we've learned how to speak that language. But when we come home, do we speak that language with our parents or with our grandparents or with our community? Do we just say the words that need to be said in a way that they can feel it and they know where your heart is? Once again, like like a brown belt to a black belt in a, a traditional type of karate. Do you have all the skills and are you just trying to use them because you were given them? Or are you just using what's necessary in that moment that is inclusive? And it's also listening to the needs. So it's not like you're in charge of it, but you're being a part of it. I've heard like our traditional leaders were not like a president or something of America where like, that's the president, that's the king. You know, it's like, well, no, in our traditional times, we had a leader for the rising, wild rice time. We had a leader for this, we had a leader for that. But as soon as the rising was done, they were not in charge. They were just sitting and listening. Somebody else is in charge because they're the one that has more knowledge of the plants or has more knowledge of this thing. So same with being the spokesperson at the moment, being the teacher at a school, you step down when the students, it's time for the students to teach and for you to learn from them. Being aware of that when it's time to speak and when it's not, and it's not easy. I mean, there's no way I mastered any of this. Those teachings are all there and it's just wonderful to be on that journey with everybody else. I think once you become aware, like when you learn something and you're aware, that's a big step because I think most people are not aware. <laughs> so I think it, just being aware and I need to like zip it or I just need to sit with this. You know, I don't need to have a comment every time, right? Two questions that I want to go to fire around. And one is you really shared so much wisdom about who you are at this point in your life. What are you still learning about yourself? I'm still learning that I'm, uh, that I'm human. I'm still learning that I'm human and that I have so much to learn, that I have so many teachings because I have, I have six children and each one of them is different. One of my friends said, because my, my first five in my previous marriage were the youngest is 15 and the oldest is 22. 
so now I'm in my marriage with my wife. Now the, our child is four months old. My friend was saying like, so now that, you know, you've had those other ones, you must be like, this is how to really change a diaper. This is how to really do this. <laughs> it's like, I said, you know, no, it's, it's more like, oh, I forgot that you lose a ton of sleep because you have a newborn. <laughs> but I'm also aware that what I've learned with the other children, each one is different. And so I'm, I'm learning this child now. They're teaching me new things, you know, and it's the same when you go into a school. If I do a lot of schools, every student has something to teach you. Mm. It doesn't become like, now I know this and now I graduated. No, it's like, I'm always going to be the, the student sitting there in the desk and raising my hand and like, okay, now I got to listen because this little kid's really teaching me something. I got to try to focus. And so it's, it's beautiful because it's like, you're always a student and, and at the same time, you're always a teacher. And that's so important because those little kids are teachers and they need to be valued as that. Sometimes they say, you've got to respect your elders. And that is true. Also, the elders got to respect the young ones. One time my grandfather, he really brought it home because him and I were driving and he was like in his late 80s and he was getting more and more where he wasn't so mobile. And so we're traveling together because he wanted to see his brother that lived states away. And so I was only 18 or 19 and I'm driving him down. And then I disagreed with, about on something with him, but not in a mean way, but I just disagreed. And then he got quiet and he said, you know something? You young people can teach us stuff too. Oh, he is so wise and beautiful because he's able to say that. Because yeah. sometimes we were taught, you just be quiet and you listen to what those elders say and you never speak up. And that I think is more of a boarding school teaching because we definitely have to respect them. They know so much. But at the same time, their, their wisdom comes from also being aware that everything is a teaching. Everything around us is a teaching, no matter what age, you know, that baby firstborn coming into this life is such a teacher. And as soon as they come in or be, when they're in the womb, they're a huge teacher, you know? Absolutely. Well, congratulations on baby. I want to also yeah. honor baby's time too. So <laughs> curious about like, what's next? You know, I know that you're home now, you're where you need to be in the horizon. What are you, any new projects, new album or tour? Like I, I did mention there's a May 2023 tour happening in Europe. So mm -hmm. what's in the horizon so folks can, you know, I know that you're on Spotify and Apple, like your music is out there. You Google you, you're like there, there are videos. By the way, I do like the commodity cheese video. It's that looked like a lot of fun to make. <laughs> <laughs> that, that but tell really us what's the horizon. You know, I don't know. I don't know. I know that I'm that I'm going to Europe. I know that next week I'm going to be at a school for two days, K through eight. I'll show up and I'll I'll be there for them. Then following that, I have a four day artist residency at another school somewhere else. That one I know is fourth grade. But I just show up and I just be there in that moment. When it comes up that I need to be somewhere, like in Europe, I'm just there. When the Kennedy Center thing was happening, I was there for that. But when I wasn't there, I wasn't there for that. I wasn't thinking so heavily about it because I, I knew what was more important was just to be in this space where I am. If I'm at home with my kids or my wife, that's my job is to be there with them. And when I'm on tour, I'm on tour and I'm with that audience or I'm with those 
students because I'll go to schools too when I'm in Europe and I'm not worried about the next gig or anything. And so I don't really think like that about my horizon. I just let it be, let it come. And I know it's not the best for as far as organizing, but it's worked for me my whole life and my whole musical career, I guess, and my whole family thing with my, my kids, just to be there in that moment when I need to be somewhere else, I'd be there. So uh, I don't know what's on the horizon. Last year, I didn't know. And the year before when COVID happened, I didn't know. When COVID happened, it was like, what am I going to do? For a week, I was twiddling my thumbs and I did my first live stream. And then I did them 40 consecutive days because I saw it was something that needed to be done. And I saw the people saying, oh, I have COVID. Thank you so much. This helps mm -hmm. to hear this music. I had people saying that grandchildren, they were doing homeschooling, part of the homeschooling by tuning into the Benona Leduc. She said, my grandchildren and I are watching and that's part of the homeschool today. It's like, I don't know what's on the horizon. The only thing that's on the horizon is right now, like today. I know what I need to do today and I'm going to do it. I hope to have another CD. Sometimes I've, I've done CDs where it's been done in a day. I was about to go to Europe and I did it in a week. It's the Song of the Black Wolf CD. And then I had two days left before I went to Europe and I did a flute CD. So I really don't know. Things sometimes happen so quick and so fast. And then at the same time, other things take long, but that's okay. That's just being with the flow, trying to be with the flow. If you're trying to be a good business model, don't follow me. I'm not the business model. I, I don't write music that way. I, music comes to me and it, maybe it's a, some people will call it a folk tune or a country tune or a flamenco song or a rock thing or a jazz thing. And I, I don't think of categories. I don't think of time like that. I just think of I'm here and whatever's happening right here is the most important tomorrow. It'll be the most, whatever that is, it'll be the most important. It made me think about this quote that you offered one time. It says, don't forget that the best and most sacred gifts are surrounding us every day and require no money, only our awareness and respect. That was from you. I said that. You said that. <laughs> Where did you get that from? My son, my oldest son, he helps me with my podcast. He does research, pulls things. And that was one of the quotes he found of yours. You can hear around uh -huh. it. <laughs> you, should, you should send me that because I, I really don't even know. Like sometimes somebody will be on Facebook and I'll see that, they're, that they lost a relative and I'll say something and then it's like, oh, that was exactly what you needed to... And, and that's, that's that part where it's not you anyway. You're just kind of being in that moment. And because yeah. I don't know what's coming through. I don't, I probably never hear this podcast because, you know, and it's not because I, like, I'm, I'm really happy and I'm really honored and blessed to be in this moment together. But tomorrow it'll be somewhere else. It might be with kids at a school or something. And that's what's important. So I don't know what's said or anything until I see it sometimes like First People's Fund, I think had a quote somewhere that they did. And I was like, I said that. And then I'm in Europe and I, they have a quote on a poster. And I was like, I said that. Because <laughs> you know, I don't know. It's not me. It's probably the ancestors speaking. Yes. <laughs> I totally agree with that. In fact, I was on a podcast and I was telling the woman the same thing you did. I was like, you know, sometimes I don't know I don't remember what I said because I really feel like I'm synced and the message is coming through me. And so I, I'm like, oh, okay. 
Well, this other one I thought was great. And you had said, I'll definitely send these to you, but you said, if you try to define yourself as a musician, you end up comparing yourself to other people. I felt like I wasn't good enough unless I could play as good as others in any style of music. I finally grew out of that by accepting who I was. And I think that's the key. You don't need to sound like anybody else. You just need to find a way to deliver what we have. And that is, a, I think that's a key message you've said through this whole time of us connecting together. You have some really great quotes. You've told our, our listeners so much wisdom and just sharing of yourself. And if it could be one thing at this moment and how spirit is showing up for you, what would you want to say to them to encourage them, to inspire them? To respect the gift that you are. Respect the gift that you are, because if you don't, where do you start? Where's your grounding? You know, and I see so many people striving to be good at something, but sometimes it only goes so far because they're not respecting and loving and being honest with that person, that gift that is them. And that's the thing that would put the smile the biggest on our ancestors if we really cherish who we are because they work so hard to get it so we can be, so we are here. And then, you know, like when, whatever you believe, I, I think that, you know, the creator, the spirits, the ancestors, they all smile when we finally recognize that, you know, that we we're here because we're, we're a gift. We're a gift to life. Not that we're better than anybody else or anything else, because all of it is, they're all, all gifts all around us. You know, they're, everything's a gift, but we have to recognize that. And then, then we can start to move forward and share it and share it in a way that we also know that this person or this flower or this whatever is also a gift and they're also just as valuable. So starting from within rather than, you know, starting outside and trying to figure out what's inside later on, you know, or whatever, just start within and just recognize that we don't need to, to be teaching anything else. Really. We need to teach that love of self and that respect of others comes from that love of self. When it's really, when you truly love yourself, you truly love everybody else. Cause you realize we're all the same thing. Anyway, we're all, you know, related anyway. And right. we're loving everything else. If we love ourselves. Right. right. Yeah. Oh, this was such a highlight of my day. I mean, there are parts of the day that was great, but I just want to thank you for taking time out of your day from your family to, to be here and share so much wisdom with us. I have quick questions and they're just meant to be like fun and fast. So favorite Menominee traditional dish. <laughs> Wild rice. <laughs> yeah, well, I made some a couple of days ago and that's, such a powerful superfood and it's so good you can make it to be a sweet dish to a savory dish to whatever do you have names for your instruments i had names for them but i don't name them so much anymore because sometimes they come and go because i had this one tooth it was a 1903 sears roebuck acoustic guitar about this this big they call it a parlor acoustic guitar Two songs came out of it that night when I brought it home. And it was Commodity Cheese Blues and a beautiful song 
called to carry on about our ancestors and carrying on their stories and how they're here with us for a moment, seemingly, but then they're here with us forever and their stories and in the sunrise and the sunset. So mm. those two songs came out that night and then I brought it back to the store the next day because I realized we needed food more than I needed that 1903 guitar, but it was there for that one day. So rather than name it, it probably already had a name. <laughs> I just, I just was happy to have that gift for that night, you know? Yeah, I love it. What's one thing that you do every day consistently? Wake up and smile. Find a way to smile. Breathe. Eat. The simple things in life are the most important. You know, the rest of it isn't that important. You show up, you know, just like what you said in the beginning. You show up. That's the biggest thing. Every day, show up. What's your favorite nature sound? Water. I guess water and, and wind. Any underrated artists you like to shout out? There's so many. There's so many. I can't think of one in particular. I would just say you. Me? <laughs> yeah. And that you being everybody out there, every single person out there is an artist. They just yes. have to validate it and realize it, you know? Yeah. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Hmm. <laughs> I'll own the artist in me. <laughs> oh, thank you so much, Wade. I appreciate you, your time, your wisdom. Thank your family for sharing you with us all. And I look forward to seeing you. Thank you for your beautiful music as well. Well, thank you so much. Here's, here's the little one. Let's see. Oh. My wife and the little one are them. <laughs> oh. <laughs> baby's happy baby's happy had a good nap mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah all right thank so, so much. thank you so much wish you and your family and everybody else out there your community and your relatives to just keep keep the smile alive and and love you all love you too take care take care